Good morning to you. I'm very delighted to be here this morning. To be in your presence, that is a joy and a privilege, and I'm very thankful for the weekend that I've been able to spend with you and to hear these brethren preach. I hope that you will not cease to pray while I'm before you. I can assure you of one thing. If I have anything to say at all this morning, it'll be because God just simply opens the windows of heaven and pours you out a blessing. I've enjoyed the song service. I've enjoyed the prayer. And I trust that what we would have to say would be a blessing to you today, at least stimulate uh, some uh, spiritual thought from you. The preaching of the gospel is one of the sweetest, most wonderful things that could be sounded in this earth. Really, it really is. And a lot of times people may take that for granted and they often maybe assume too much about the gospel. But your presence here this morning is that you're a sheep that have gathered here to be fed by and through the gospel. And that gospel has to be attended with power. It has to be uh, made real to your heart uh, before it is effective or effectual in your innermost being. And so with that, Paul writes to the church at Rome, and, and he tells us here in chapter 1 and verses 14, the apostle, as great as he was, could speak varied languages, had been educated in the highest courts of man's education. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He grew up a Hebrew of the Hebrews. All of those things, all those privileges that he had in the natural realm, he one time said in the Philippian letter, he counted all that as dung, that he might win Christ. That was the important thing in his life. And so in this city here of Rome, he's writing this to this pagan city, filled with all kinds of gods and all kinds of sin, all kinds of debauchery. That's what Rome was, brutal. Had an outstanding army. Everybody cowed down to that government, and, and they were just marching across the world. And you would have thought that if any place in the world that the gospel would have a foothold, it wouldn't be in Rome. But that ain't the way God works. God has a people out of every nation, kindred, tongue, and people upon this earth. And even though it may look to you as though it were hopeless, uh, it is not hopeless to God. And so it is, even in our day, uh, there is yet hope for God's people here in this earth. I think the gospel will be preached until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again uh, to receive what he purchased and bought at Calvary. Now Paul says here in the chapter one, verse 14, and he says, I am a debtor. Now, I want you to listen to this. This eminent apostle, who was not a whit behind the chiefest apostle, who came up at the feet of Gamaliel, he was highly educated, but listen to what he says. He says, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. You know, that's a pretty good position to be in, isn't it? When you figure it out. He says he's in debt. I am in debt to preach the gospel to these different types of people. That's who I am. Why am I a debtor? Because Jesus had brought him from a state of death, like Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. 
and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sins. That's what God does and did for this man here. Now, he was a mad dog, if you want to put it very bluntly, when he had obtained papers from the Sanhedrin to go to Damascus to destroy, to put men and women in prison. And he thought that he was doing God's will by doing so. But see, God had other plans for the Saul of Tarsus, who later would become the Apostle Paul. And so when he struck him down, and he first language out of his mouth, Who art thou, Lord? And he wanted to know who this was. And he said, I am, I am Jesus, the one that you have come to persecute. In other words, he's persecuting God's people. He's persecuting the Lord. And so it is a good position for you and I to maybe look at this a little different. It's you and I too. If you look at yourself and see yourself by God's amazing grace and see that you too are a debtor to other people. You know, one of our problems in this, I guess, climate or this uh, pandemic that we had, we were shut in. We weren't able to converse with people like we wanted to. And I think that that is important, that you and I are able to give a reason for the hope that lies within us and do it with humility. And Paul, here in the midst of this large city, declares himself to be a debtor both to the Greek and also to the barbarian. Isn't that amazing that that's now barbarian in the Bible generally meant people who spoke another language. They were, they just simply spoke another language and the Jewish people called them barbarians. And they could have been a little ignorant. I'm not saying they weren't. Uh, and they could have been a little rough, but as a rule, that's how they perceived that group of people. And so he says he's a debtor to them. Why? Because he has been called to preach the gospel. And I think that you and I this morning, if, if we could look at this here and just see something in it uh, by setting it before you once again, and he is making it clear to them. He says, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome. For as much as in me, I am ready. And I believe a lot of times God's people underestimate the power of God through and by the preaching of the gospel. When Brother Goins preaches to you, you have a mechanism, if you're a child of God, that that gospel is going to make sense to you and that it will release you. It will also give you opportunity to praise and to, uh, to thank God for what he has done for you by and through the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel was not designed to make you a child of God, but it was designed to bring out, to release, to be able to bring to the light what God has already worked in you. Paul writes that over to this young preacher. He said, talking about the gospel is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And so when this brother or these brethren here preach in power and demonstration of the Spirit of God, you're going to be able to say amen. You're going to be able to act upon what they have set before you by and through what Jesus has done for you at Calvary. 
Now that's it. That's some of it. That ain't all of it. I'll tell you, the gospel is so broad that it is difficult to just bring it into one, uh, maybe of one focus. But it is necessary for you and I uh, to maybe have a deeper appreciation for what God has done for us. And the gospel is the means whereby God is going to save his people, not for eternity, but save them for, for here in this time world that we live in and from the pitfalls that are always out here in this world. So uh, Paul is making it very clear to them, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. You and I should not be ashamed of the gospel. If there's any one thing that you and I should be able to stand up and say with conviction that Jesus died, that was the purpose of his entry into this sin-cursed world. It was not, even though it was. Many today highlight all the good things that Jesus did, and that's okay. But the main purpose for him coming into this world was not to highlight his perfect walk upon this earth and that you are to emulate that type of walk, even though that would be very commendable if you did. But the purpose for him coming is very simple. It is maybe oversimplified to some, but Paul writes in that uh, Corinthian letter again, and he tells us here in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, chapter 1, I mean 15 verses 1. He said, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. Isn't that amazing? Here's a pagan city filled with all kind of debauchery. Here he is again in another city that most people would have ran. I'd have run probably, knowing my nature, if I'd have looked at Corinth and saw all them sailors from all over the world, and they probably had all kind of, every culture you could think of probably came through Corinth. And Paul is in Corinth establishing a church, and they, they didn't like Paul. They called his apostleship in question all the time. But Paul was true to his calling. And he says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand. I think about in his opening remarks about the church here at Bethel and the numbers of years that I've known Bethel Church. And there have been some trials in our churches. There have been trials in this church. But you know, for the most part, this church has remained true to the cause of Christ. They have every Lord's Day under whatever set of circumstances they took and flew the blood-stained banner of the Lord Jesus Christ out here in this yard. I commend you for that. And I pray that God would continue to bless this place as a Bethel place where God's children can come and hear the simple truth of the gospel of the Son of God. And that's what Paul was preaching to these people. He said that he was, uh, which I preached unto you, which also you have received, wherein you stand, and by which also ye are saved. Now see there, there's some savings in the gospel, isn't it? God has seen to it that when you are present and you hear the gospel preached, you know, it may not be your season. Have you ever come into the church and you felt like a dry chip, about like I feel right now? <laughs> Have you ever come in and you didn't know whether God, dear Lord, have you ever had mercy on me? Am I just here by myself today? Am I going to have to just stand up here and set myself out as a public spectacle? 
You don't think preachers can get mad? I'll guarantee you they can. And God can cut you off, shut you up. But that don't change your responsibility to feed the sheep of God. That's what Jesus asked Peter when he saw him there. He said, lovest thou me more than these, Peter? Do you love to fish? Do you love to go out here and be with the guys and all that? Peter said, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said, feed my lambs. You know what my job is here today? I'm going to tell you exactly what it is. It's in a nutshell. Peter, lovest thou me? Yea, Lord, I love thee. Feed my sheep. You ask him the third time, and it grieved this man to his soul. It got to him. Even though I know he denied him three times, the Lord's going to pull it out of him. And Peter just finally had to answer. And he said, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He finally appealed to the fact that God knew whether or not he did in fact love him. And it was because that he loved Peter first and had drawn him to him. And his job was not to make sheep, it was to feed sheep. And you're not here today. If you're here with the expectation, I'll make you a little lamb or a little sheep, you might as well get up and get on out of here right now because you're going to be sorely disappointed. And so here's the truth of it. What was the truth of that gospel by which you're saved? Now, most people want to take and stretch that beyond what it is. The gospel does save us here in time. Amen. It educates us. It makes us wise unto salvation. It gives us the knowledge and the intelligence and the want to to honor the one who loved us who gave himself for us and then he washed our sins away never to be remembered against us no more and made us whiter than snow even in the backdrop that we know that by nature we do not deserve the least of God's mercies I'll tell you what, if you can step up here and tell me why you think or why you know God loved you, I'd like to hear your, your side of that story. <laughs> I won't be up here. I've got to leave. It's a great mystery why God loved you, but you're the evidence that God loved you before this world was ever formed. Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. It was not something you woke up one morning and said, I think I'll love God today. I think you woke up one morning and for the first time in your life, you saw yourself as ruined and undone. And all of a sudden, I love God and I don't know why. But I love him because he first loved me. And so it is with the preaching of the gospel. If you keep in memory what I have preached unto, unto you unless you have believed in vain. It's amazing that some of God's children can believe in vain, isn't it? You know why? They do not present themselves on a regular basis. They do not come in and come under the sound of a gospel preacher. They do not and are not reinforced in the truth. And there's men out here today, believe it or not, who lie in wait to deceive God's little people. But when you come in like this, and God blesses you to hear, there's times when we are not blessed to hear. Have you ever noticed that? Brother Mike got up last week and he just preached his heart out. And it was just as though it was empty words. It went in one ear and out the other. 
But then there's times when we come in and our soul is dry, is thirsty. And Brother Mike gets up and preaches and you leave here shouting, glory to God on the highest. Glory to his name. He saved me and loved me with an everlasting love. Isn't that amazing how that works? Every time you come in here, you don't leave your throwing your hands up in the air. No, you don't. God knows how to train you, too. <laughs> he knows how to take care of your business as well as he does preachers. And so that's the simple truth of it. He said, I delivered, first of all, that which I also received. How that Christ died for our sins. You know, most people today, honestly, and this is such a disgrace and insult to God, they believe that Jesus died. They'll all get to that. Or they all believe that he was born a virgin, maybe. Some of them question that today. But I ask you, is it really, when you think about your own existence, who you are as a human being, you didn't think you got here by some monkey or some happen chance, did you? All you had to do was look in the mirror and see that there's a creator God, Amen. that I'm created in his own image. I look at the things in the earth and all the vegetation, the animals, the sun, the moon, the stars. It's immense. And there was a mind that was big enough to create all of that. And I know that ruins your little mind because you cannot get there. You have to believe it by faith. Amen. You're not going to, you can't put your arms around that. And like some of these news commentators, we're going to have to unpack that. You can't unpack that. You can't unpack that. You believe it. But see, you can look and see that here I am. I'm something special. I am something at the height of God's creation. That's what he done when he made Adam. He didn't make him a monkey. He may have acted like a monkey, but he didn't make him a monkey. And so here in this, Paul was just simply stating what God, our Savior, had done, and many today do not believe that. First off, that he died. Why did he die? He died for our sins. Now, a lot of people believe that when Jesus died at Calvary that he was just making salvation possible. Well, I submit to you, if that's what he was doing, then he did nothing. Think about that. If he was just making salvation possible and the rest was up to you, he did actually nothing. He did nothing. He accomplished nothing in his death. Most people can't get it into the mind that when Jesus said it was finished, when he breathed out his last breath, and when he said, into thy hands I commend my spirit, when he died, your sins were right then and there completely and totally remitted. That was it. He had done what he had come to do, but ain't always going to do. You ever think about what maybe the last miracle is upon this earth? Now, y'all got to know that. <laughs> At least it is in my mind. There may be some more, but the one I'm thinking about is he's coming to give what he bought and paid for in the resurrection. Are you with me here? That's the last miracle. Brother, I'll tell you, he'll clear the fields. He's going to do it. You can't defeat God. And this is why Paul was a debtor both to the Jew, to the Greek, to the barbarian, to the wise and the unwise. Because he had something to say to all of them. 
that Jesus died and that he was buried and that he arose again on the third day never to die again. He raised for our justification and because he lives, we shall live also. Amen. Now, what are you trusting in today? Another government check <laughs> that will continue to inflate this world beyond its ability to pay it back? Another president who promised you the world? All that means nothing. You can have all the money in the world and have not Jesus, and you're a poor, ruined, lost, undone sinner. That's just that simple. Now, the monies that we are able to earn just helps us over some of the bumps in life. But it can't fill our hearts, and it cannot give us hope of eternal life. Only Jesus can do that. Uh, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. And he did get this. You go to Galatians chapter 1. I believe it was where Paul was talking about how he was called to the ministry. He got a personal, he got a personal tutoring from the Lord himself. He didn't have to go to no school. God, our Savior, taught him every bit that you are taught even to this day and what you see in his holy word. And he delivered it, too. He was faithful. I'm a debtor. Why am I a debtor? Because I destroyed the church of God. I held men and women into prison. I was the chief of sinners. And he saved me. Brother Mike was reading there from the Philippian letter. You listen to what this man says. All of you have heard this before. It's worth hearing it one more time. He said, this is the apostle. I want you to listen to this. You put stock in your education, that's good. It'll get you maybe down around the curb and all that. I don't understand all that stuff. But it ain't everything. We were talking about that yesterday. You can get all these sheepskin diplomas and certificates and all that. But just go out here and call a plumber to your house and you'll find out who's got the education. <laughs> And you'll find out who's making the money, too. <laughs> now, these skilled people are, are highly sought after. I saw for the first time in my life. I saw a sign out here to other, yesterday going home. It said, plumbers wanted. <laughs> Man, the building is so fast here, and the need is so great, they're wanting skilled laborers. I thought, well, if I was a plumber, that'd be all right. I tell them back home, and the plumber just has to know the hot water's on the left and cold water's on the right, and water don't run uphill. They ain't got to. <laughs> if that was all it was, I could do that, could you? But it's amazing about people today and what is going on in this world. I think we're getting faster and faster. I think we're getting closer and closer. I really do. I believe, my beloved, when I look out here and I see... A lot of our churches being decimated. The next five or ten years, many of them won't even exist. Unless God moves upon those congregations to send in younger people. Uh, for them to produce and have children and bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The church will not exist. And it will be as though similar as it was. It's coming to that as it was in the days of Noah. You think about where we're at today. You think about how people see sin. Well, they don't even see it as sin anymore. It's, 
It's just something we, it's just, you know, some three-letter word that our preachers use to maybe scare the congregation or to get them to move to some certain action or to get them to somehow make a confession of faith and be transported to heaven. What well, isn't sin, my beloved, is real. You know why? Because God is holy. And that's how it had to be dealt with. And it's going to be dealt with by the only one could ever do it. His name was Jesus. Now, here's what Paul said about himself. I hadn't forgot that. Usually I forget these things when I get off on some other chasing a rabbit somewhere else. By the way, since I'm on this, I've had people, you know, you need, you need to stay in more in context. You need to quit jumping around. You need to quit this, do that. You know what they need to do? They just need to I, let me pray for them that God will call them to preach and we'll find out. But here's the deal. When you read the Bible, you'll see that the Apostle Paul, not every time, but he is moving around continually. He changes the subject. So I feel like I've got the right to do the same thing. But here is the man that God called to preach to the Gentiles. Here's what he said about himself. And he had a long list of credentials. He said, I was circumcised. That was on the eighth day. Every male child in Israel was circumcised on the eighth day because there was a level of coagulation on that eighth day that would not be present anywhere else. A vitamin K uh, elevation that that child would have, and he would not bleed out. I met a, a Jewish priest one time, and he went all over the country. And his sole job was to do what I'm talking about, circumcised male uh, uh, Jewish children. And Paul was not a whit behind the chiefest apostle, brother. He had the credentials. He said, I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, he said, I persecuted the church. Touching the righteousness which is in the law, he thought he was blameless. That's an arrogant man right there. You know that? That man right there is arrogant. But what things were gained to me, all those were gained. Those were his natural uh, privileges. All those things I counted lost for Christ. I'm a debtor to him. What? I couldn't be anything but a debtor to him. I was one time caught up into the third heaven and heard things that were not lawful to be uttered. In other words, he didn't have the command of languages to tell you what he saw and what he heard. People, they don't even believe there is a heaven. Well, I'll tell you, there is one. And I saw where they stoned Stephen to death. And Jesus stood up. He was in heaven. He stood up to receive his spirit into heaven. And when you breathe out your last, when you've drawn your last breath, when you've preached your last sermon, sung your last song, and attended your last church meeting, that soul will take his flight to be with God. You say, I don't understand it. Neither do I. I do know that a human being is made up of body, soul, and spirit. And I've read a bunch on both of them, all of them. I still don't understand it, but I believe it. And I think someday that God's people are going to see him face to face. They're going to be happy with him. Don't you have a curiosity about how he looks? Well, I do. I sure have a curiosity about the one who truly, absolutely loved me. 
But all these things, he said, I count but loss for Christ. I wonder where you're at on that today. I think about some of you who could and would or should come and unite with this church. Are you really willing to take a loss? Are you willing to lose a friend that really was not your friend? And you're coming to the house of your friends. And to take up your cross and to follow after the low and the meek lamb of God. Are you really willing to do that? I was 18 years old when I come to the church. And I'll tell you one thing. I've had a few ups and downs in my life. But I ain't never wanting to sell out. Now I know some of I know I, I think about some of you here today. Y'all are faithful to the cause. And you're to be commended for that. You've kept the door open when you probably didn't feel like coming. When trouble was aggravating the church. But you were able to see that the cause of Christ was greater riches. Greater blessings. And by and by God sends peace to the church. You can live together in fellowship and sweet harmony. Raise your voices in praise and adoration to him. While we do what? While we press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? It is for me. You go all through this. He said, I count all things but loss. You know, some of you need to sell out. You just need to put a for sale sign on your life and sell it out to the highest bidder and come and identify with the poor and the afflicted people of God. Now, most people ain't going to tell you that. <laughs> they may go around that. But the church needs you, and I need the church. It is a 50-50, it is a two-way street. We all are blessed in that. And so, my beloved, when you think about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he died and the grave couldn't keep him, and he arose again, never to die no more. You have someone in heaven today. His name is Jesus. You and I both are debtors to so many people in your community. Now, you think people don't watch you. The other day we had the first Sunday meeting back there at Parkview, and Elder Carrie Lathrop is filling the first Sunday appointment there for us. Well, the parking lot was filled with cars and people, and people who come by going to their church down the street, they saw us at the Y, and they want to know what was going on at Parkview. <laughs> so many people had come out. And so I was very delighted. But the point I'm making is, you think you do not have influence. You do have influence. You have influence in your family, among your children, your grandchildren. And when they see that you're serious about what you believe and what you practice, it will influence them because they'll see you when it's time to go to meeting. Go out with your Bible in your hand. Rain or shine to come and to identify with a band of believers here at Bethel Church. You'll influence them. You'll influence your schoolmates if you live according to the principles of God's gospel uh, truth that we have here in front of us. And so it was with Paul. He never looked back. He never one time Somehow, like me, I'm a crybaby. <laughs> I can't help it. He never one time did that. He did one time was upset because 
there was a, a spirit of a demonic spirit that was tormenting him. And he prayed to God three times that he would remove that thorn from his flesh. It was painful. I don't know what that was. Nobody else. Did. I just know that he was fighting depression. That much is for sure. And that every time he had preached, this demonic spirit would say, you remember when you stood by and held the cloak of Stephen, don't you? And you're up here talking to these people about God's mercy and his holiness. I don't know if that was it. It just seemed like that would be reasonable to me. But you know what God finally told him? He said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. In my language, he just simply said, Paul, quit being a crybaby. I'm going to give you grace sufficient for all the events of your life. He was speeding toward wrong where he would meet his final end. And he said, none of these things move me. Dear God, help us to remain faithful to the cause. Help us to appreciate the gospel of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. And we're here today with the expectation that someday our hope will be realized. And when the gospel is preached in power and demonstration of the Spirit of God, our souls soar into another world where we can see a Savior high and lifted up. Someday he will have the final word. And you're going to hear it. And he's going to say to you that are standing before the whole universe will be standing for. He's going to say to you, listen to this. Come ye blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. You can't even imagine that, can you? You're standing in space with nothing under you. All the facades, all the trials of life are over. It's nothing but joy and gladness in your heart. So why would we not be a debtor here waiting for that day to come when our change shall come? We'll hear the words of our Savior, Come ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. You weren't even there. You weren't even in, your, in the mind of any human being when he done that. But he loved you enough to come and to put your sins away. You and I are debtors. Dear God, help us to be better servants than thou. Let us run our race with patience, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame thereof, and when he had by himself, and you know, when he had by himself purged our sins. You know what purge means, don't you? It means wash clean away. That's what it done. He sat down at the right hand of the magistrate. That old Jewish high priest couldn't sit down. He didn't have a chair back there in that holies of holies. He had to go back there and go to work. And he was afraid and fear that he had messed up. And he had to do it exactly as God had prescribed to him to do. But this man this man, Christ, this man actually had offered one sacrifice for sin forever. Sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That majesty is a wonderful word, isn't it? Majesty on high. So may God bless you, keep you, is my prayer. I wish I could give you more, but you've got enough. You and I are debtors, both to the Jew, to the Greek, to the barbarian, to the wise and the unwise. To speak favorably.
of that name which is above every name. What name is that? The name of who? Jesus. That's a wonderful name, isn't it? Amen. God bless you.